0: Welcome back to Ultra Chill. BitHotel has chosen Ultra to distribute through to get a better idea about what they've been building and why we had Leon Lennon, their COO, onto the show. Together, we discussed social gaming, which communities to target their upcoming games, and why projects like theirs tend to rule their own marketplaces. It was an interesting discussion, so let's get to it. Welcome to Ultra Chill. We have today with us Leon from BitHotel. Leon, do you mind giving us a quick intro about who you are and what you guys are trying to build?
1: Yeah, hey guys, um, nice to be here. Thank you for the invite. Um, so I am the COO of uh, BitHotel, or more general Metaverse Game Studio here in Amsterdam. We build all kinds of entertainment products and uh, software tools to uh, to help builders in, in Web3 um, you know, launch quicker and uh, be more successful.
0: Maybe we talk a little bit about how people play online together because i think the draw of online games is very much playing with others together and i think that there's also from like a business's perspective a challenge at the very beginning bootstrapping a community and ensuring that enough people are playing together to make the experience you know really valuable uh maybe you guys talk about how your team is pushing past this kind of roadblock.
1: yeah having a sort of social features you know friend lists um, really helps also referral rewards and such uh, really help with user onboarding so all kinds of social mechanics uh, really help in, in all kinds of, uh, of games not only in, the, in web3 games of course um, but yeah that's not really being done enough we feel we, we feel there's still very much a blue ocean for the web3 gaming uh, market of course it's, it's in its you know, inception right now so all the games that there are more or less just experiments um, but um, yeah we're, we're definitely putting heavy, hem, heavy emphasis on the uh, on the social features um, because of its power because of you know the network effects that you can create by having you know a sort solid community that's engaging with each other that's mingling and that uh, has some incentive to invite their friends over as well um, so this this social graph the you know the, the mechanics behind all kinds of social networks definitely um, uh, yeah play a big role in in growing games as well nowadays um and yeah our flagship product, uh, product um which is called bit hotel you can already play it it's it's in beta um it's really focused around these um these social interactions as well so we have in game text and voice based chats we have um friend lists players can basically um make their own little camp in the in the game as well and um invite friends over there set different permissions um so yeah, we're we're structuring everything around the social interactions. Even like peer-to-peer trading, I think, is a big one that plays into the social part as well. Or in players, you know, can uh, place a little bet on who, who does better in the leaderboard se- season in the in the coming month, and um, then based on trust, they they would transfer each other, you know, a certain thing that they bet um, based on who won that leaderboard season. So um, all these mechanics combined, I think, are really powerful and um, you'll see more and more of in, in the future. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on, on social features in, in GameFi and in, in games in general, um, and where we're heading.
0: I know that you guys are still building out a lot of the feature set that you expect to build out over the next couple of years. And I I wanted to talk a little bit about how, when you're designing future experiences in BitHotel, uh, what your mindset is for how you guys sculpt them to be you know more engaging from a social point of view
1: interesting um yeah so we normally start by looking at different um other games especially the ones that did well or the ones that maybe didn't do as well but looked really promising um yeah, we we take a look at a lot of the the older games as well. There's a you know quite a long history of of different games that came out uh, um, over the last twenty to thirty years, um, and we we look at you know what, what what really stuck with players and why did some games really fall off their pedestal? You know, we used to have like five million monthly active users and now they have uh, maybe closer to fifty thousand. Those kinds of games, what what really alert players to to join them and to, um, yeah, what what made them stick and what maybe didn't for some. Um, so we start by looking at the benchmarks and then from there on, we're making a list of potential features that we think um, could be very valuable and, you know, sort of be disproportionately effective in creating retention in inside of, uh, of games. Um, we make a sh- little short list of that and put like little priority numbers next to them. And the next phase is... After that is, is the more exciting one, wherein we sketch out the different features that we're planning. So we we use Figma, similar to how all kinds of websites and web apps get designed uh, these days. Figma is a tool that allows you to basically draw lines, and um, when you select them, you see the code that's needed to to make that a little pop up or something on a website as well. So it's really very useful, very intuitive. You can also collaborate with multiple people in the same file. Um, but we actually yeah designed the whole game and its features um, as far as that's possible um, with, uh, with with that tool. So everybody has a clear vision as well of what we had in mind and make, make sure that everybody aligns on, on, on that vision. Um, and then after that, we start building. So there's a lot of due diligence that goes into a feature. It's not like somebody comes up with an idea and uh, tomorrow it's there. Um, there's there's a lot of research and uh, also looking at numbers, and, and comparables and see if if it makes sense to the bottom line or if it makes sense to retention numbers, um, before we we even start sketching them out. I,
0: I have I actually have two questions here uh, as an output of that. One, the artwork that you guys are doing, uh, like the players and things like that. I assume that's not in Figma, is
1: it? Uh, the artwork, uh, so the, the sprite sheets or it's what they're called, like mm. where you, when you see a player walking. Um, no, yep. those are pixel art. All of the sort of little building blocks that that the game is made out of. That's uh, most of the times built by our design team, which are uh, most of them are pixel artists. Uh, for for the Bitatel example. example, um, and no, th- those are basically the building blocks that then the the UI designer puts into Figma to, to make everything look, you know, solid. Um, but um, placing those together is is the is the impactful part, of course. Um, and yeah, the pixel art design. Um, Process is, is very time intensive as well, so it's not like we can turn around these sort of feature designs in a in a week. Often times, so the the pixel art work itself takes quite a while and a, a lot of uh, manpower. Um, so, but yeah, you're right on. It's uh, it's a step I didn't describe in, in the in the process overview a, a few seconds ago. Yeah. Can
0: Can I ask you guys why you went with pixel art? Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a very um, it's a very bold direction.
1: Yeah, it's very different. Uh, We—that's—I think definitely at least fifty percent of the reason is that all of the you know the Web three games, all the metaverses that you you see popping up—they're all built in Unreal Engine five and use all these three D models, and it's just very rough around the edges and doesn't really—I um, don't know—doesn't really at least feel feel very welcoming to me, um, while. A lot of the players and web3 users right now they're you know in their 20s maybe 30s um and they they grew up with with all kinds of pixel art games and um maybe even web web games as well so we we, we also see that playing into this nostalgia instead of going for the you know newest tech um but still trying to sort itself out were yeah we we, we took the other direction and we see a lot of very good feedback on it like a lot of players you know, see some um how do you call it some some comparable examples from, from their childhood and they're like, hey, you know, this this really feels good to 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 see and to play. Um so we're we're definitely sort of leveraging that. Um because those guys, yeah, when they were at the age of you know 13 or something, they they played these types of games as well. So for Bidder Tell we're also playable on web, which is something different from most games. Um, very well optimized for web and will also push the mobile. But um, yeah, that combined with uh, with the Pixar graphics uh, really brings a feeling of nostalgia, which we think is powerful.
0: So when we talk about communities to target, are you more interested in crypto and Web3 focused players or in a wider mainstream audience?
1: Good question. I think a lot of people are fishing in the same pond and the pond is not really um, big enough to... To sustain most businesses here in the web3 gaming space so a lot of people are really advertising on all the crypto crypto youtube channels and really just trying to get players out of this web3 audience which is relatively small especially if you compare it to just the general gaming audience which is i think over a billion players right now so uh, while the web3 gaming you know the amount of wallets itself that participate in gaming is very very small i think maybe around 20 million wallets or something if not even that uh anymore so what i'm trying to say with that is yeah we, we saw the challenges with fishing in the same pond as most of the other people and there's not enough players there so we uh, we decided to f- focus way broader and build the game in a way that it's first of all free to play so everybody can create an account and um, get into the game which is a big one to uh, to not you know have these barriers of entry wherein you have to have a wallet to get in or whether you have to have some tokens or nfts to to get in so no you don't need any of that you can just start playing the game without any web3 functionality then secondly um, we abstract away a lot of the features that you would otherwise need some web3 knowledge about so wallets were allowing players to one click sign up with like gmail to create a wallet in a non-custodial way um, and um, basically, buy tokens with credit card from directly in the game. So it's basically almost the same as any web web two game, wherein you you know buy some gems with with credit card and don't even see that. Yeah, no, most of those games I'm talking about don't even have crypto in them. But it's basically the same for the player. But it's on chain, so there's the advantages as well. If you want to um, trade your items outside of the game on secondary marketplaces, you can still do that. But if you don't even bother. Uh, care about that, then um, yeah, you, you're not really sort of, you don't feel that friction of Web3 that's currently pre- present. So that's a big one for us that allows us to, to tap into that you know, normal gaming segment um, of, of people of all ages.
0: That, that was a really interesting answer because I know that a lot of the stuff that you guys just, like what you just talked about, especially where you're talking about um, onboarding people uh, via you know either SSO or email and uh, having their keys and their tokens kept in a non-custodial way, that's something that we also developed at Ultra. And I know that there's other people out there that have kind of followed that, uh, that path of necessity to build that kind of technology, right? Um, is there other stuff that you guys think that is absolutely necessary to bring mainstream gamers uh, into the fold um, from like a tech perspective?
1: I think, yeah, the biggest ones are creating a wallet with single sign-on. So that's definitely the biggest. Um, not having any external apps needed. So you guys have a native wallet as well. We're using a third-party tool that, uh, that allows for that um, as well as we allow, of course, third-party wallets um, as well. So this, this single sign-up, uh, EO, sorry, wallet uh, will actually be implemented soon. But next to that, yeah, the on-ramping feature wherein on many blockchains, you need some gas tokens. Ideally, you offer the users a gasless experience wherein if they sign up for, you know, that easy single sign-on wallet, they would get a very small amount of gas tokens from the game studio. In order to have them at least transact uh, with with things, Um, we, for example, allow users to buy um, NFTs in the game without any sort of fungible tokens as payments. So basically, they they own a soft currency, they they play and play and play to accumulate the soft currency, and then they can spend it on these NFT items. And those NFT items are on-chain, of course, while the soft currency is off-chain um and in order to transact they need a little bit of that gas token which is a bit of a yeah i would say a stumbling block for most players so uh, allowing those people to to transact and have these kinds of interactions without any friction by giving them a bit of the gas token really is a big one and then the final one i would say is the um, is a credit card to to top up the native token in the in the game which is often like the the paid version at least in our game you know the the If you want to progress to the game quicker, you can buy a bit of that token and uh, get some of the better items sooner. I
0: think that what you're describing here is actually a set of technologies, which works together to provide users, you know, like the benefits of blockchain technology without kind of like the headaches of blockchain technology, right? That's what it really boils down to. And I think that what you guys are producing is really interesting because it allows users to kind of like log in, right? And play a set of games and we'll get to that in a second and interact with their friends. And they do it through kind of like a unified, simple, simple experience, right? It's something which is like pleasant and, and uh, fun for them. And it doesn't have any of the, the nonsense that like, <laughs> frankly, people have had to deal with the last couple of years in Web3 Gaming. And I, first of all, I wanted to say that I'm a big Bomberman fan and I was stoked to see that you guys, the first mini game that you put out was based around a very similar play mechanic, very cool. Um, and I wanted to ask, what other games are in the pipeline?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so we released uh, another mini game last Thursday. It's a play on the pachinko game, which you might know, maybe not. It's a it's a chance based game wherein uh, you you can you know pay for a couple balls and they, they fall bounce on all kinds of little pillars, and then based on where they end up in the bottom, you um, you get a certain multiplier on your on your um, yeah, basically the the currency that you you bought the balls for so it's a it's a single player game uh, we pushed it out last friday reception has been really good the math itself seems to work as well making uh, yeah ma- making it a, a sort of a sustainable economy there as well um, and there's a handful of other mini games that we're also pushing very soon one is a minesweeper type of mini game uh, there's a, a memory Mini game where you have to remember certain things that you see in the minigame in order to know where to move your character to, and if you're not in time, then uh, you lose. That's a multiplayer game with up to 12 to 16 players. Um, then there is a, a sort of dodge ball uh, game with two teams that you can, uh, yeah, basically if you play dodgeball. We call it dodge ball. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's coming as well, which is, is really cool. Um, I can send you some of the artwork maybe after the call. You can uh, maybe overlay it if, uh, if that's an option. But um, yeah, be great. I think that's those are the, the most interesting ones at the top of my head.
0: So when you're, when you're building out these game concepts and, of course, like implement, implementing them afterwards, I'm curious what the biggest challenges are you know, because you're integrating you know like both tokens and NFT rewards as part of the play mechanic. What are the biggest challenges there?
1: Um, I would say just in general, the, the biggest development challenges with all these different tech stacks, as you said, with chain side, back end and front end, um is having this sort of cumulative base of code base of, of features and and things that need to keep working uh, while you're trying to push new things in. Uh, what we found very often is um, that when you add a new feature on top, something that you thought was unrelated so, like sort of breaks all of a sudden, and we have to do enough QA testing to, to find why and, and fix that. So there's this sort of uh, two steps forward, one step back um, issue that we've been encountering quite a, quite a bit over the last months. Um, while we're, you know, continually releasing features, so I would say that's because of the complexity of the tech stack, definitely uh, an issue. And I, I do think that, you know, with uh, with the right setup for pushing code and uh, the deployment pipelines and such, this does not necessarily need to happen. Uh, this issue, but um, it's just really hard to to have the right sort of infrastructure in place while pushing out new features at a high uh, tempo.
0: That, that's a big challenge. That's something that uh, I've encountered at a bunch of different companies that I've worked with. And I think that, especially when we're talking about web three technology, what we're actually looking at is this like very uh, layered approach to software development, where you have, you know, the front end, the UI, which is it's an application that the user has to run on their client, which is interacting with a backend, which is also interacting with uh, potentially blockchain services, either Infura or Dfuse or anything like that, which is interacting with, you know, other things that you have within your, your infrastructure. And it's a lot like we're, we're talking about, you know, sometimes five, six, seven layers of development, which all happen simultaneously. And they have, like you said, very uncertain impacts one upon the other.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, you explained it very well.
0: So the last thing that I wanted to talk about today was, um, as you well know, building and maintaining a marketplace per project is no small feat. You guys are building your own marketplace, deploying it, and uh, it's something that you guys have to manage yourself. It takes a lot of time, a lot of commitment, and draws resources away from your primary offering, which is actually your game. Why do you think that it's so common for games and you know, other Web3 projects to roll their own marketplaces instead of integrating into established ones?
1: Yeah, good question. I think at a certain scale, once you hit a certain scale, it's it's a no brainer because you have these sort of small taxes on, on secondary sales, uh, which is, of course, for many artists and just NFT creators in general, one of the main... Um, i would say benefits to uh, to providing their art uh on chain instead of doing it you know in a physical way um so the, the secondary sales mechanic is is just important across the board especially if you have uh if you have an economy with many many different item classes and different scarcities and stuff um so yeah we just decided to to, to make one from the beginning even though we did not have a certain level of skill we thought if we just do it now and make it work with our current collections we don't have this sort of uphill battle later, yeah, it's just a way to capture the secondary royalties uh, and you can set those yourself because it's your marketplace, as well as to have an integrated way of i think that this is a good second point uh, an integrative way for the for the users to transact between each other without having to leave the platform. It's always bad for business in general if if a user has to you know um have a different website uh, open while Playing the game, um, it just yeah, it decreases this retention number that we talked about earlier, Um, because yeah, of course, uh, if somebody has to leave your website to do something, that's uh, that's good for the other business, but but not for your particular ecosystem. So um, that's also why uh, why we think going and building it yourself is is impactful and um, will help you long term, especially as you scale.
0: Leon, it sounds to me like you guys have your ducks in a row. I wanted to thank you for your time and for your expertise. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, Anytime.